It is through the salvific, miraculous story of the Jewish people that we discover God. The tale of biblical Israel and of the Jews throughout history is itself a source of faith, perhaps the great source of faith, because it is through Israel that God will make himself known to his people and ultimately all the world. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 137, The Light Unto the Nations. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. It was to the Dutch theologian Adrian Vanderkamp that John Adams wrote his most interesting thoughts about the Jews. Discussing the anti-Semitism of Voltaire, Adams reflected as follows, quote, How is it possible this old fellow should represent the Hebrews in such a contemptible light? They are the most glorious nation that ever inhabited the earth. The Romans and their empire were brought a bauble in comparison of the Jews. They have given religion to three-quarters of the globe and have influenced the affairs of mankind more and more happily than any other nation, ancient or modern. End quote. Then, in another correspondence, Adams gave us these famous words, quote, I will insist that the Hebrews have done more to civilize men than any other nation. If I were an atheist and believed in blind eternal fate, I should still believe that fate had ordained the Jews to be the most essential instrument for civilizing the nations. If I were an atheist of the other sect, who believe or pretend to believe that all is ordered by chance, I should believe that chance had ordered the Jews to preserve and propagate to all mankind the doctrine of a supreme, intelligent, wise, almighty sovereign of the universe, which I believe to be the great essential principle of all morality and consequently of all civilization. End quote. And then, amusingly, Adams ended this letter, true to his grouchy form, by adding, quote, I can't say that I love the Jews very much neither, nor the French, nor the English, nor the Romans, nor the Greeks. We must love all nations as well as we can, but it is very hard to love most of them. End quote. Be that as it may, Adams inspires us to ponder the Jewish impact on the earth. And it is Isaiah who gives us the most famous metaphor for this incredible influence. In chapter 41, the Almighty through Isaiah speaks of Avdi, my servant. As the medieval exegete Rabbi David Kimchi, known as Radak, explains, this term, like the references to my servant throughout much of these chapters in Isaiah, refers to Israel. Here is 41 verse 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my spirit delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the nations. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail to be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isles shall wait for his law. Thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth, and that which cometh out of it. He that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the nations, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another neither my praise to graven images. The translation that I cite largely follows the King James, though that work uses the term Gentiles for goyim. Thus, for that text, or goyim is rendered a light for the Gentiles. But the Hebrew word for non-Jew or Gentile is nochri, and I believe the Hebrew in Isaiah, or goyim, is more accurately rendered a light unto the nations. What does it mean to be a light unto the nations? How has the Jewish people acted as this light throughout its history? There are, I believe, two ways of understanding the phrase, and both, I believe, are true. 
The first is the impact on which Adams focused. It was the Jewish people. The Jewish people have been and are God's monotheistic messengers to humanity. And we may further suggest that the word light here is a reference to revelation. The point is that while essential achievements emerged from many other civilizations, the point is that while great and essential achievements emerged from other civilizations, it was the revelation of Israel that gave the world fundamental doctrines and moral truths that many others had missed. Here is how the son of John Adams, John Quincy Adams, put it. Quote, It is the God of the Hebrews alone, it is the God revealed to us in the Bible alone, who is announced as the creator of the world. The ideas of God entertained by all the most illustrious and most ingenious nations of antiquity were weak and absurd. The Persians worshipped the sun. The Egyptians believed in an innumerable multitude of gods and worshipped not only oxen, crocodiles, dogs, and cats, but even garlics and onions. The Greeks invented a poetical religion and adored men and women, virtues and vices, air, water, fire, and everything that a vivid imagination could personify. Almost all the Greek philosophers reasoned and meditated upon the nature of the gods, but scarcely any of them ever reflected enough even to imagine that there was but one God, and not one of them ever conceived of him as the creator of the world. Cicero has collected together all their opinions upon the nature of the gods, and pronounces that they are more like the dreams of madmen than the sober judgments of wise men. In the first book of Ovid's Metamorphoses, there is an account of the change of chaos into the world. Before the sea and the earth and the sky that surrounds all things, says Ovid, there was a thing called chaos, and some one of the gods, he does not know which, separated from one another the elements of this chaos and turned them into a world. Thus far and no farther could human reason extend. But the first words of the Bible are, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. This blessed and sublime idea of God, Quincy Adams further wrote, the creator of the universe, this source of all human virtue and all human happiness for which all the sages and philosophers of Greece and Rome groped in darkness and never found, is revealed in the first verse of the book of Genesis, end quote. This is what John Quincy Adams wrote to his son. And Adams's point, ladies and gentlemen, as was the point of his father John Adams in his letter to Vanderkamp, is that the Hebraic revelation is bound up with the Jewish moral vision. The light of Judaism is perhaps most famously, though not exclusively, embodied by the light of the menorah kindled on Hanukkah. And the Hanukkah lamp is meant to symbolize how Hebraic revelation has served as a light unto the nations. The celebration of Hanukkah has in the past been mocked by bigoted anti-religious writers who celebrate the intellectual achievements of Hellenism, but not of Judaism. For example, Christopher Hitchens once sarcastically sneered that, quote, Epicurus and Democritus had brilliantly discovered the world was made up of atoms, but who cares about a mere fact like that when there is miraculous oil to be googled at by credulous peasants, end quote. But as I noted in commentary, such a critique, like most of Hitchens' expressed thoughts on biblical religion, entirely misses the point. The flames of the menorah do more than mark a miracle. They are meant to inspire us to ponder what biblical monotheism bequeathed to a pagan world and to symbolize the miraculous endurance of the tiny people that brought this message to humanity. We are indeed indebted to Athens for its intellectual achievements, but the menorah's flames remind us of the insights found not in Athens but Jerusalem, that human beings are created in the image of God and therefore precious and inviolable, that history has purpose, and that countries stand under the judgment of a good and just God. This, then, is one way of interpreting Isaiah's description of the Jewish people as an orgoyim, a light unto the nations. But there is another way, 
And here the focus is less on revelation and more on Jewish history. Isaiah goes on to describe the miraculous endurance of his people, seemingly referencing the Exodus, but also the larger story of biblical Israel. Chapter 43. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. If the Jews are a light unto the nations, it is also, I think, because their very story is miraculous, the greatest argument for God in this world. Note how the Almighty introduces himself in the beginning of the Ten Commandments. Anochi Hashem Elokecha Asher Me'eretz Mitzrayim. I am the Lord thy God who took you out of the land of Egypt. Though Judaism does indeed believe God to be the source of all existence, nevertheless, in the central revelational event of history, God chooses to link himself to a particular people and to a particular event. He is the Lord that took Israel out of Egypt, meaning it is through the salvific, miraculous story of the Jewish people that we discover God. The tale of biblical Israel and of the Jews throughout history is itself a source of faith, perhaps the great source of faith. The medieval Jewish thinker Judah Halevi's great work, the Kuzari, opens with a Gentile king who surveys the world's religions, looking for theological truth. He interviews a Christian, a Muslim, a philosopher. And then Halevi writes, quote, He then invited a Jewish rabbi and asked him about his belief. The rabbi replied, I believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, who led the children of Israel out of Egypt with signs and miracles. Halevi goes on to describe how the king, unimpressed, coldly replies, I had not intended to ask any Jew, because I am aware of their reduced condition and narrow-minded views, as their misery left them nothing commendable. Now shouldst thou, O Jew, not have said that thou believest in the Creator of the world, its governor and guide, and in him who created and keeps thee, and such attributes which serve as evidence for every believer, and for the sake of which he pursues justice in order to resemble the Creator in his wisdom and justice. End quote. To this question by the king, the rabbi readily replies that Judaism does indeed proclaim a universal truth, a God who created the world, who made man in his image, who communicates a moral code to all humanity. But, the rabbi argues, at the great revelational moment of Sinai, it is God's relationship with Israel that he chooses to emphasize, because it is through Israel that God will make himself known to his people and ultimately all the world. The universal God is known through the particular, and that particular is the story of the Jewish people. The rabbi replies to the king in Halevi's great work, quote, In the same way God commenced his speech to the assembled people of Israel, I am the Lord your God who has led you out of the land of Egypt. But he did not say, I am the creator of the world and your creator. Now in the same style I spoke to thee, O prince of the Khazars, when thou didst ask me about my creed, end quote. For Halevi, it is Israel's memory of the Exodus that is the argument for the existence of God. And in my own interpretation of the beginning of the Ten Commandments, building on Halevi, Egypt is meant to be understood as only the beginning. The meaning of God's words at Sinai, as I understand it, is this. God is informing Israel and ultimately the world. You will find me in the story of the Jews, a story more miraculous than any other. That is the source of faith. That is the story that will serve as a light unto the world. If this is the case, then Isaiah's words have renewed resonance today, because, as Eric Cohn argued in Mosaic, in our secular age, 
It is the miraculous story of the Jews that is seen by people of faith as the greatest argument for faith. That is why the Jewish story and the story of the state of Israel in particular has inspired millions beyond the Jewish people, finding in modern Israel, and especially in the story of a resurrected Jerusalem, a beacon of faith, or if you will, a light unto the nations. And indeed, Isaiah's words in chapter 43 provide one example of a vision that we have seen, at least to some extent, fulfilled in our own time. Thus, verse 5, Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy children from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Thus, ladies and gentlemen, we have two interpretations of the Jews as a light unto the nations, two that are really one. The Jews bear a moral and religious revelation that, as Adams noted, changed the world, a revelation that much of the West has forgotten. And therefore, in such a time, the miracle of Jewish Jerusalem is itself a light, inspiring those of biblically founded faith to persevere in faith, or as Eric Cohen put it, to work with faith, political will, and moral resolve to rescue and defend our shared heritage from destruction and decay. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.